Good evening and welcome to Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. You are here with your hostess, Lauren Smith. And tonight we're going to be chatting with Larry Beans Baxter. And I'm really looking forward to this chat. He is a very interesting individual. He's got a very interesting background, I want to say. Uh, but before we get into it, I would like to ask that you please show some love for the NCBR team because they work really hard to run your chat and moderate and keep all of you crazy people in line. Um, so don't forget to subscribe and ring that notification bell so you don't miss new content. And you guys also go to nightcallersproductions.com because that's where I have all of my content in one place, all of the things that I do, all the podcasts that I run and, and host and produce, and as well as all of the extra content that I do. So go check it out. You can also view my membership program there, my affiliate program, and my merchandise. Um, I always have a lot of great things coming at you, so don't forget to go over there and check it out. And now I'm just going to jump right into it. How are you doing tonight, Larry? Living the dream. Or I guess I should just call you Beans. Yeah. Beans. Yeah, Beans. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so I just want to give my listeners just a quick update. Um, Beans, his, his internet is kind of glitchy tonight. And so if you guys, we can hear him. Sometimes we can't see him or it's glitching. But I say as long as we can hear you, we're just going to roll with this interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Our internet has to be brought in by dog sled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have a good excuse. I mean, <laughs> I feel like uh, my mom has the same issue. She lives in Texas, though, and I don't, you know, we won't go into why she doesn't have internet. But, um, okay, there you are. Okay. All right. Let me make sure everything's flowing okay for the chat, and then we will uh, get into it. I, I think we're good. Daryl. Hey, Daryl. Yeah, you got a lot of people that love you <laughs> that are going to be in this chat, so that's very exciting. All right. So, Beans, first of all, why Beans? Where did Beans come from? <laughs> it, it's not a very exciting story. Um, there was a TV show on in the, I think it was the late 80s, called Beans Baxter. Mm-hmm. And my last name was Baxter, and people started calling me Beans because of the TV show. Yeah. And, you know, my, my dad's name is, is Larry, too. So it just kind of became a way to differentiate which Larry you wanted, you know. Okay. Beans or, you know, Larry Sr. So it just kind of stuck. And it doesn't have anything to do with uh, the magical fruit or anything like that. It was just <laughs> okay. Of a TV show that was on, actually started about the same time as like Married with Children and mm-hmm. uh, 21 Jump Street and all that, but uh, they stuck around and it didn't. I think it lasted like a one season or less than one season. I was gonna say, I'm embarrassed to say I've never heard of it. <laughs> never heard of it. I've heard of the others, but yeah, not that it one. Wasn't hold on, around very long. What... Yeah, uh, yeah, um. Okay, so your bio is just, it's, to me, like, as a Bigfoot researcher, your bio is very appealing. Like, I, I'm I'm like, ooh, Alaska, ooh, he was law enforcement, ooh, like, it just, like, each part that I read, I just got <laughs> more and more hyped up. Um, so, let's start at the very beginning. How did you get into this topic of Bigfoot and cryptids? Well, I've always been interested in it, you know, ever since. Since I was a kid, I've been interested in monsters and monster movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The age and into this subject, you know, they're going to say Legend of Boggy Creek and In Search Of. And, you know, those were really, you know, those were really important to me when I was younger. And uh, I just really have always had an interest in it. And then, you know, throughout life, you know, I found myself in situations where I ended up in Alaska. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I got up here and there's just such a, you know, if you, if you Google it, if you just Google Bigfoot in Alaska, there's not a ton that's going to come up. I mean, there's 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 some stuff out there, but there's not a whole lot. Uh, but when you're up here and you get to talking to the people and you get to hearing some of their encounters, you know, you realize there's really a, a, a um, there, there's a Bigfoot culture here and people don't talk about it okay. a whole lot. And um, just about everybody either has a Bigfoot story or knows somebody that has a Bigfoot story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's really, uh, you know, I think that this is probably a really good place uh, to research. It's got pros and cons. Uh, the yeah. pro is, I mean, it's Alaska, come on. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, there is plenty and plenty of land 
here. Uh, people just don't understand how big Alaska is. It's so uh, vast. It's but, I mean, one of, but one of the cons is it's so vast. It's so big. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, I, I believe they're here. I believe that there's a population of them, uh, several populations of them here. Uh, but I just, I think that if they don't want to be around people, they certainly have the option to not be, and they yeah. can go to areas that are extremely difficult to, 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 uh, get to. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I think that it's, it's kind of a blessing and a curse all in the same, you know, it's, it's yeah. some of the best Bigfoot, uh, environment that you can hope for, mm -hmm. but there's so much of it that it's just, it's intimidating. And hard to research, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, especially with a lot of the more remote communities, uh, like Port Chatham, which I imagine we'll address here later. Right. Yes. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of record keeping, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of things are passed on orally and, uh, you know, not a lot of people, you know, this is all before internet, before YouTube. And, you know, mm -hmm. you just have, you know, well, my grandpa had a story or my grandma had a story. You don't get a lot of uh, well-documented accounts. Right. Yeah. Um, so you moved to Alaska and you got involved in law enforcement. Yes. I started out, um, I was hired as a patrol officer with the St. Paul Island Police Department. And if you ever watch The Deadliest Catch, uh, mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the crab boats will offload there, St. Paul Island. And I worked there for three years, and then uh, we decided we wanted to move somewhere a little bit more urban, mm -hmm. using my quote fingers. And <laughs> 20 more to, people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We moved to home. This is a bustling, uh, this is a big city compared to, to St. Paul. I think the population on St. Paul when I was there was, was it 600? And, and the population of the town I'm in now is six. So it's, okay. this is, you know, we have her in a safe way in a McDonald's. Oh my gosh. Y'all are spoiled now. I mean, this, <clears throat> here, um, start 2009. And then in 2000, I believe it was 17, I was promoted to the investigation sergeant, which meant mm -hmm. that uh, I either conducted or supervised all the felony level investigations, uh, things like uh, homicide, sexual assault, uh, felony level crimes, uh, stuff like that. So I did that for the last little bit of my career. And then I just recently, uh, I called it quits in January. I retired and uh, I'm going to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> uh, Bigfoot full time. Why not? <clears throat> I'm going to do it. I'm, I, that's my plan. I'm going to do it full time for a little while. You know, I'm going to have to eventually right. probably get another job and find something else to do. But I've, I've got, you know, I've got some time that I'm going to devote to just just doing Bigfoot stuff for a little while. Absolutely. So whenever you were in law enforcement, of course, that's the part that I really want to dig into. Um, I mean, were there any reports that picked your Bigfoot researcher mind, your curiosity? In the 15 years that I was in it here, I think I had one call okay. that was Bigfoot related. And it was a gentleman. He was camping at one of the city parks here. And he called into dispatch and he said that uh, Bigfoot had came into his camp and stole his potatoes. <laughs> and um, I've, I've told this story before at, uh, at a um, conference I was speaking at. Mm -hmm. And uh, bless his heart, the dispatcher that was on duty he was a young man that grew up here. And uh, really, really good sense of humor. Really, you know, really funny guy. And the guy calls up. Uh, he's under the influence of, you know, alcohol, among other things, mm -hmm. probably. And uh, he's telling the dis dispatcher this story. And the dispatcher goes, sir, sir, do you see the beast? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, me and my partner, we went there. Uh, we looked around. I actually did look for some tracks. It was a rainy, you know, wet. Mm -hmm. muddy day and uh, I didn't see anything. I, I, I don't think there was any uh, validity to it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, my partner, he didn't even, you know, he was just like, let's deal with this crazy guy and get out of here. But I was like, well, I'm going to walk around the campsite. At least. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, I did. I didn't, I didn't see anything that would lead me to believe that there was any veracity to it. Uh, but that was my only like law enforcement related Bigfoot call. So the missing persons, were there, thinking back, were there any missing persons reports or um, cases, investigations that you think may have been not natural? No, I mean, you know, this is, 
for Alaska standards, this is a, a big city. You know, this is mm -hmm. like the second largest city on the Kenai Peninsula. Uh, most of our missing person cases uh, involved uh, like overdue people that would show up eventually. Uh, okay. We've only had one legit missing person that's still missing and we don't know what happened to them. And I, I believe that was probably, um, if anything, that was, you know, another person that was foul play. Right. I don't believe Bigfoot was involved because she disappeared right in the middle of town. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't say that I ever ran into any, any missing people out in the woods, which that would have been the state Alaska state troopers jurisdiction. Right. Uh, because they would, it would have been outside the city limits and they do, uh, you know, get a lot of, well, you know, George went hunting and he never came back. Yeah, that was uh, my next so, question was. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, um, and, you know, working in the municipality like I did. I, yeah, I, I personally never dealt with any um, missing 411 type stuff. Okay, yeah, that was kind of my question it was, um, I mean, you answered about the law enforcement, but um just researching around where you are and everything do you think that do you think that any missing 411 cases or any of those type of cases around alaska in general do you think it's more it's so vast that people just yeah. get well, lost I, or i can tell a story it was it last year it was last year because it was covid was still was becoming a thing uh mm -hmm. i it was about this time of year and I go, there's an area I go to a lot uh, to do a lot of my looking around and research. And I was uh, headed up there. And this is the time of year we call breakup when, you know, the, the snow's melting, the ice is going away, and all the roads are really slushy and, and crappy. Mm -hmm. And it just, it can be hard to get out in some of the more remote areas just because of the conditions of the road. And so I was heading out to my area. And I didn't get all the way out to where I wanted to go. The road was just so terrible. Uh, I actually ended up um, popping a hole in my radiator heading out there. Oh, gosh. And um, so I turned around, and I didn't get out to where I wanted to go. And I came back home. And uh, that day, the day I headed out there, uh, there was a gentleman that was camping at a campsite uh, just probably four or five miles from where I was trying to get to. Uh, he actually disappeared. And they still haven't found him. He uh, had gone out uh, to fish, and they don't know if he maybe had fallen through the ice into the water. Or they, mm -hmm. I mean, he just he's just gone, and uh, they're still looking for him. So that and that was right in the area where I go quite a bit to research. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. It's it's hard without any evidence. Well, we just don't know unless we see one take them. You know. Yeah. Plus, this is the time of year when the bears are starting to wake up, too. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of things in Alaska that can cause a person to go missing uh, That's true. Know, without without including Bigfoot. That's true, I guess. I mean, it's like you said, it's vast. They're hungry creatures. And um, I would imagine it's easy to hide a body up there. Just not that I've given that a ton of thought. <laughs> but since you're a retired law enforcement officer, I feel like I can tell you that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's, there's more bodies in the water than there are in the woods. Oh, that's good to know. I'll note that. Um, okay, so have you just researched Alaska or have you researched anywhere else? Uh, I've, I was actually pretty fortunate in my career that my um, department, they were really good about getting us training mm -hmm. and sending us out to play train. And I would always kind of try and get a class or something that was – you know, like I, I went to a class in Ohio and swung by Salt Fork. You know, I went to a class in Oregon and went down to Bluff Creek. And, oh, yeah. um, I went to uh, Dallas and swung by Falk. So, you know, okay. I, I've I've been around. I, I haven't, you know. You I hit just the highlights. At, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done a, kind of the U.S. Bigfoot uh, tour, you know. Yeah, no kidding. The, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I've I've been to other places other than just Alaska. Okay. Um, what would you say is your favorite area to research or that you've been to? Other than Alaska, mm -hmm. I think my favorite place was probably Falk just because it was <laughs> so creepy and just, yeah. 
it was just that swamp vibe. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't say that I really, I mean, I didn't have the means to get out because I was there for training. I didn't have a boat or anything, but just, you know, walking around in some of the areas I could get to, uh, I just, it was very easy to imagine that there was something out there living in those, in those uh, swamps. It was so just, you know, plus I'm nostalgic for the film, you know, the Boggy Creek movie. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would uh, be in Falk. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful place. It's very it's boggy, a boggy creek. But I always, whenever I'm driving down the highway to get to the spot that I go camping, it just it looks like literally the Falk monster is going to walk across the boggy, you know, the riverbed at any moment. It just it's it's very squatchy vibe there for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I stayed at a hotel in Texarkana, I believe, and then. I was, I mean, I didn't get back to the hotel till like two or three o'clock in the morning. I'm out just driving around on those back roads, you know, just hoping something runs across the road in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that. I, I do that all the time. I'm like, uh, I was actually talking to someone about that. And I said, come on, just run across the road and I will be happy. I will, I will die content. <laughs> so, but it looks like something's about to do that at every turn, you know? Um, all right. We had a question from the chat, Patrick Vaughn. He said, what physical evidence or situation caused you to get into investigating this subject? Which is a great question. My, my, I've got a, excuse me, I've got a couple of different origin stories. Okay. But, uh, my, probably the one that really like lit a fire under me was um, I went to an area where there had been some sightings. I mean, I went there looking for Bigfoot, you know, I w- was like, yeah. oh, there's been some sightings. This is the closest area I can get to. Um, so I, I, uh, was looking around there and I found, uh, a footprint in the, in the pushed into the moss. I mean, it looked just like a human footprint with like a mm-hmm. big toe impression and everything. And, uh, that really, that got me. I was like, man, that, that's, I don't know how to explain that. That's not it, a bear print. Yeah. <laughs> it'll light a fire, you know, cause so, it's, it, it's, yeah. So my wife and I, uh, were actually, I, we went back to that area and I was, um, hiking around and that's when we had. Uh, something we were walking back to the truck and I had heard something behind us just boom, boom, boom. And the ground shook, you know, just these big oh thumps and um, we couldn't figure out what it was. And we were just, what the hell was that? Cause I mean, there's plenty of things in Alaska that are big enough to shoot, you know, moose and, and, mm-hmm. and bear, but uh, they're not very stealthy generally, especially when they're running away from you, they'll just crash <laughs> in the woods, you know, and, yeah. And whatever it was, it made those three loud thumps and then no more noise whatsoever. And uh, I actually went back toward where we heard the noise. That's uh, that's what I like to I see all these people that to go out in the woods and they hear something and they see something in the direction. And I usually, mm-hmm. I'm trying to go towards it. Yeah. And uh, I, I went over to where we heard it and looked around. I couldn't find any sign of bear or moose or anything. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but uh, I don't think it was, you know, the usual suspects. I don't think it was right. a moose or a bear. And that's an area where there's been uh, a history of sightings. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if it was Bigfoot. I can't say that it was. But that's kind of what got me into, like, I want to know what, what that is. I want to know. I got to know. So yeah. that's kind of what sparked my Bigfoot fever, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that there were just three stomps or whatever it was, because I, I've heard of them doing stomps. I've heard of them doing a... Um, where they like slam their hands on the ground and do that. Um, so the fact that there were only three, I mean, I, I think another, another, any other wildlife, it would have been more, you yeah. would think. I think they were just trying to get you to leave. <laughs> and I tried to rationalize it too. I tried to, I tried to eliminate everything I could think of. I even thought, mm-hmm. well, maybe it was like an eagle or something. Yeah. Like whooping uh, the air, but yeah. I mean, but I mean, the ground shook. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, just, I cannot explain it. I don't know what it was. Right. Right. Um, I, I mean, that would do it for me. I feel like that would do it for me. That along with the footprint would light the fire for me. Like, all right, let's go. <laughs> let's do this. Um, Cryptidville wanted to know, have you ever ran into the infamous dog man? I have not. And I haven't had any reports of any. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there are some natives here that have a creature that they refer to i believe it's the tornant uh and it has a tail but otherwise i think it looks more or less like a bigfoot like a skinny version of a bigfoot huh. uh, but i haven't i haven't heard of any uh 
Dogman uh, here. The only Dogman report I can recall, I think, happened in, uh, I believe it was around like Wasilla or Palmer, which is about five hours from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, I didn't get to investigate that. It wasn't reported to me. So I don't know if it's any veracity to it or not. But uh, I've never had any personal reports or experiences with Dogman. Okay. All right. Yeah. They're, I don't know. It's, uh, to me, unless you've had the sighting or know someone who has, it's really hard to wrap your mind around something like that, you know. Um, uh, Kite had a great question. Uh, what are the largest and smallest Bigfoot that you've heard of being seen? Um, so, I mean, height-wise, body-wise, you know. The largest, you know, we, we come across probably the eight or nine foot is about the max. I, okay. I hear people talk about these mountain giants that are supposed to be like 15 feet tall or whatever. And I haven't heard any, any of those. I haven't heard okay. any, any, any person report anything like that. Uh, but, you know, nine or 10 foot is usually, I think, the upper limit of what mm-hmm. we get. And I think a lot of those might be a little bit of an over-exaggeration. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I mean, it was big and I mean, I, yeah. I've seen people call, I've seen people see 80 pound black bears and be like, it's a giant bear. And I'm like, well, that's, the, that's a tiny bear. You know? yeah. <laughs> They're just excited. They saw a bear. So right, they, right. they exaggerate the size. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard anything, um, much bigger than nine foot. And then as far as small ones go, that's interesting questions because a lot of the natives here, they have the little people. Okay. And so I can't say that I've ever heard of any like tiny Bigfoots, but I, mm-hmm. I've heard of, uh, I've heard of little people and uh, I've seen pictures of like some weird stuff, like little, almost like little houses and stuff woven into the grass and hmm. you know, like little shelters. Um, That's creepy. That's yeah. creepier than Bigfoot to me. Yeah. <laughs> I try and stay away from that stuff. I, I, yeah. I can handle Bigfoot, but when it starts, when you're talking about like little tiny, like people that I, I, I don't know how to handle that. Me neither. I don't do creepy critters. I don't do no. <laughs> if it's small and it can like run up my pants leg and attack me, that freaks me out. I'd rather be taken out by a bear than some little. No. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> I, I have heard. I have heard some of the natives say that the little people are associated with lights. Like if you see the lights out in the woods, uh-huh. that's the little people. So that's, that's yeah. creepier. Like that's even creepier. So the orbs or just lights in general, like. Uh, just the or lights, just lights in the forest. Okay. I had a, a buddy of mine that worked uh, on St. Paul with me, and his wife was native. And there's not a lot to do there, so you kind of like being a teenager in a small town, you'll just drive around sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And they were out driving around, and the town is located in one one central area, and the rest of the island, I mean, there's a couple of roads that go out to the end of the island, but there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And people will just drive the roads, uh, you know, back and forth sometimes, and him and his wife were out driving Nobody else was around, and there's no roads uh, other than you know the main roads. And uh, they saw some lights off in the in the distance, and where there shouldn't be any people or cars. And uh, mm-hmm. he was really like, "Oh, what's over there?" You know, like I want to get out and go over there. And his wife, who's native, started freaking out, like, "You are not going over there. That's the little people are trying to draw us out. You know, we're not gonna we're not dealing with that. We're not gonna fall." He made him turn the car around and leave. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's terrifying. That's terrible. Like that's scarier than Bigfoot to me, definitely. I think you're frozen. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. While our guest is unfreezing, Kite, can you please expand upon the Bergman rule or Bergman rule, Bergman? Because some of us don't know what that is. We're not as smart as you. So can you expand upon that in the chat for me? Thank you. Beans, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you now. Yes, sir. All right. Um, so what on the, on the topic of orbs, um, what do you think they are? Do you think, do you think they're related to Sasquatch at all? I don't know. I wish I could... I wish I could give some kind of mind-bending theory or something, <laughs> yeah. but I, I just, I have no idea. I don't either. I don't either. I've, I've heard a lot of good theories, off-the-wall theories. I don't have any answers. I, I got nothing either. Um, 
Yeah, I heard one theory. Um, oh, what was it? Uh, Matt Knapp and I were talking and we were talking about spontaneous human combustion. And one of the theories of that is that these orbs or orb-like frequencies travel and then they ignite. And, and I'm like, I don't like that at all. <laughs> that was terrifying. <laughs> okay. Um, we had some more questions up here. Hold on a second. Uh, okay, that's a good question, Stephen. Uh, Stephen Hill wants to know, what are your thoughts on the Alaskan Triangle? Uh, well, I mean, I don't think there's anything necessarily supernatural about the Alaska Triangle. I think it's just, you know, it's such a large, I mean, Alaska is so large. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, it's just an area where people go missing. I, I'm sure some of them are, uh, you know, uh, natural. Some of them are animal attacks. Some of them are people that weren't prepared to go into the woods. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of them may be uh, caused by Bigfoot or Bigfoot infections, uh, uh, but uh, it's just, uh, I don't think that it's necessarily anything, one one driving force behind it, I guess is what I'm trying right. to say. I think it's a, a culmination of, of, of things uh, spread over a very, very large area. Okay. All right. No, that's a good answer. <laughs> okay. And um, Daryl wanted to know, Excuse me. Beans, do you have any good connections with the natives up there? Because he hears that they're a very close-knit community. You know, I have a few native friends, and, you know, they are pretty, some of them, it, it depends. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll tell stories freely. Other times, uh, you know, they're a little tight-lipped about them. Uh, it just kind of depends on what's going on. Uh, for example, we stopped near... Port Graham on our way to Port Chatham one time, and we were hoping to film some interviews with some natives uh, telling, mm -hmm. you know, Harry Man stories. And uh, they had just had an elder in the village pass away uh, the night before, and they took that as a bad sign. And they're like, no, we're not telling any stories today. You know, you guys, you know, are going to have to go. Mm -hmm. So uh, it just, it just kind of depends on, you know, what's going on and how they feel uh, as to whether or not you can get any story of them and uh, you know they a lot of them they feel like these are our stories and they don't like to they don't like to give them away freely i don't know okay. they want people to pay for them they're just right. saying that they, they they're very protective of them and they don't right. want uh, they don't want us to take them out and make movies and, and you know, yeah. make make money off of them uh, and i understand that 100 percent. I, I i feel the same way you know about things that i experience myself i don't want to just you know yeah. I don't want somebody uh, saying like, "Oh, listen to this story," you know, and act like it came yeah. from them. You yeah. know? So uh, they they can be pretty pretty uh, protective of their their stories and their culture. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, like you said, most of their stories and traditions are handed down orally, so um, it would be the same thing as if they had priceless cave art or something, and and you know, were trying someone was trying to give them to give it away for free. It's it, you know, it's tradition. It's their traditions. It's very priceless. Priceless. Okay, let's go ahead and launch into Port Chatham. Am I saying that right? <laughs> uh, you know, I. some people say Port Chatham. That's what I was going to say originally. Yeah, I like to say Port Chatham because that's the okay. way it's spelled. Yes. But um, I have had some locals say, like, well, it's Chatham. And I'm like, well, it's spelled Chatham. So <laughs> <laughs> I do that here in Oklahoma. We have a lot of Native American names, and I butcher almost all of them. <laughs> but uh, Port Chatham, it was a it was a fish had a lot of industry in there. They had logging, a cannery. Uh, they actually had a cold storage facility that could handle up to something. Like, I think it was... 100,000 pounds of halibut, which is a lot. For, I mean, this is all, like, in the yeah. early 1900s. Uh, so, you know, it was a lot harder to go in and clear land and, and build uh, infrastructure back then. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't exactly have, uh, you know, steamrollers and, and right. stuff, the stuff that we did. A lot of the, the stuff they did was, equipment. Right, it was by hand. Right. So a lot of yeah. work went into the area. And uh, the first, like, I guess... Uh, rumblings that something was going on there was in the early 1900s when the workers basically um, went on strike and they said you know we're not we're not going to work we're leaving because there's something in the woods and it's you know it's messing with us and refused to work until the uh, owner of the, of the uh, 
cannery hired guards to come and create a perimeter around the uh, the town, which it wasn't a very big town. Right. But uh, they, uh, yeah, so they basically went on strike and said, hey, unless you do something about this monster in the woods, we're not going to work. So that was kind of the first rumblings of, of something going on there. And then it goes from there, it goes into like the 20s. And I found a few sightings from the 20s where people saw what they called, the natives called it the Nantanok. And um, there's a few different translations for it. Uh, my favorite translation is that it doesn't translate very well and there's no there, there's no direct translation. I think that's pretty cool because it's a big mystery and I think that the name being a mystery itself is pretty cool. So I like to I like to go with that one. It doesn't translate well, but some people say it means giant hairy thing or half beast. Right. So um, after the 20s, you know, you had a few sightings, and then it goes into the 1930s, and you have um, a gentleman that died. Uh, he was a logger. And he, they say he was killed by a huge piece of logging equipment a person couldn't lift. And uh, they blamed the, the Nantanok on that. And then the same year, 1931, there was a prospector that was digging for gold in the area. He went missing. They blamed that on the Nantanok. And then between the 30s and the 40s, you have a bunch of tales of uh, hunters that went missing. And unfortunately, with the prospector and the hunters, I couldn't find any documentation or I couldn't find any names or any anything definitive. Uh, those were basically almost like urban legends. So I, I can't speak to the variety of those, but uh, it's been getting tossed around a lot as those missing hunters. Yeah. And... Um, then finally, in 1950, the town was abandoned. Uh, the postmaster was the last person to leave, and everybody just packed up and left. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they say that it was because of the Nantanok. Uh, it chased everybody away. So that was, uh, that's kind of the story of, of Port Chatham, and it's just sat there ever since then. Uh, hmm. And uh, in 2000, was it 17 or 18? 2018, I um, contacted, I met Stephen Major, and he said, I want to go in there and film a documentary. Mm -hmm. So uh, we made the trip there, and then in 2019, we went back and filmed uh, an episode of the Travel Channel. And uh, I understand there's a there's a show being filmed there this year. I don't I don't know what it's uh, what it's about or, or who's doing it, but uh, it's it's become kind of the, the a popular place in, in the Bigfoot community. It's, right. Uh, it's generated a lot of curiosity. So you wrote your book on this, right? Mm -hmm. And where can we find your book? Uh, it's available on Amazon, and it's also available on my website, uh, alaskwatchpodcast.com. That's A-L-A-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H podcast.com. If you order it from the website, I can autograph it for you. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I had somebody ask that in the chat. Um so you guys can buy the book for all the all the details on all of that. Um, you know, I've heard so many stories of construction workers and just other people that um, that will just refuse to work and will walk off the job because they're being harassed by basically ape-like creatures or Bigfoot-like creatures. And I just I think it's so interesting how often that happens. My, my theory with Port Chatham is <clears throat> I think because back then they didn't they don't they didn't have the conservation efforts that they have now with mm -hmm. fishing. Back then people were just out to get as much fish as quickly as they could. Mm -hmm. And they had these fish traps and they would set them up and the fish would just swim into them and you know they wouldn't get upstream, they wouldn't, you know, they couldn't spawn. So they really affected the, the fish population. Right. And my or not my uh, theory assumption, yeah, theory on Port Chatham is that all that fishing probably, it, I think it probably really hurt the their their uh, resources. Yeah, and that's kind of why you have the violent behavior and the you know them lashing out. Basically, I think they're you know they're um, they're. Uh, resources were being affected and yeah, I, I think that. yeah i think that's probably why you see a lot or hear about a lot of the um, aggressive behavior with them mm -hmm. and i think my theory is is that i think of some kind of um i think they have rules of engagement basically yeah 
Uh, I, if you're just walking through the woods and you come up on one and it sees you and you see it, you know, they, ooh, and then they, you know, you guys go your separate ways. Right. Uh, I think if you're walking through the woods and you come up on a family group, uh, especially one with little ones, I think you're probably going to have some problems. Right. Uh, at least some aggression displays. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of think that's, you know, that, that explains a lot of the different behavior that you see in a lot of these accounts where people are like, oh, we, uh, you know, I saw it, it saw me, and we went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. Your other ones were like, you know, it was screaming, it was throwing rocks at us. I, you know, it was just, it was, I thought it was going to kill us. Right. Uh, I think that there's, you know, there's got to be some variable in these accounts uh, to account for the different behavior. And I think probably that's what it is. I think that if you get the aggressive behavior, you, you're either interrupting um, a hunt or you're threatening a family group. I have to agree. I mean, I agree with that. It's, they are the ultimate survivors and they've survived so long because they're so elusive. Um but I do agree that, you know, there's there are these guys and they have a podcast called Something Podcast, which everybody should check out. Um, but they had an encounter basically where they shot a deer, they harvested the deer, and the entire rest of the night there was something screaming in the woods, throwing trees at them, throwing rocks, slapping the side of their trailer. It, and it didn't touch the deer, it didn't touch the gut pile, it didn't touch anything, but it just threw a fit all night because they harvested that deer that I'm assuming was its dinner. Um, so it's almost like it was throwing, it just throwing a fit, throwing a tantrum. Yeah. I was just in an in a area recently, I just got back on, um, what day did we come back? On Tuesday. Uh, this guy, you know, he's like, hey, you gotta come check out my property. I'm building a cabin there, there's a lot of activity. He goes, every year when we go out, this is the first trip of the year, usually around April, he says, it's always crazy, crazy activity. So uh, we went out there, and there wasn't much going on, like no right. spotty activity whatsoever. And he was kind of bummed about it. He's like, man, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you know, I'm disappointed for you. I'm like, hey, I got a free trip out of it, out to this yeah. nice remote cabin. Yeah. Uh, but but even in the absence of that, like, okay, well, they're, if they're usually here, why aren't they? What's right. different? And we had a lot of snow this winter, heavier snow than usual. So that leads me to think that they probably are in another area. They probably winter somewhere, and because of the heavy snow, they haven't got over to where he his uh, property is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's speculation, but it's you know what's what's the variable here? What's different? Right. So. Um, was there still snow on the ground at the time? I'm sorry if you said that. Yeah, there there was snow in in some areas, not in others. Okay. Um, you know, it's kind it kind of depends on. Um, Southern exposure, um, okay, uh, where okay. the sun hits. Uh, some of the lower areas didn't, but I mean, it's pretty cool. We're sitting, uh, you know, in front of this guy's cabin, and there's, you know, there's mountains all around us basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, every now and then, you just hear this like rumble. It sounded like a jet going over, uh, but it was avalanches oh up gosh. on the mountain. So uh, that's kind of what we were thinking. Like, well, maybe they're not, maybe they're not here because they can't, they can't get over here because the avalanches. Right. So maybe yeah, it's because of the heavy. The heavy snowfall is keeping them away. Yeah, uh, and that might not be the case at all. It might just be. It might be like whatever resource that they come over there for isn't there yet. I don't know. Right. But uh, the last few years that he's gone there, this time of year, he's had activity, and not this year. And the only difference that we could come up with was the heavy snowfall. Or that you were there. Yeah, maybe I'm. I'm like uh, anti squatch. <laughs> I am too. Um, but I meant because you're an outsider. You know, you're new to the property, and they're like, oh. And I, I, I don't know. I think they're very intelligent beings. And um, and this probably isn't even true, but I feel like they know when you're looking for them. <laughs> they know when a normal human walks in the woods, not paying attention to anything. And then when one of us walks in the woods and we are eagle eye looking at, you know, looking at every single thing. Um, okay, we've got a, a few questions from the chat. Let me ask real quick. Um, Daryl wanted to know, Beans, what do you carry in that shotgun? Buckshot slugs or a combo? I carry uh, slugs. I carry black magic magnum bear slugs. Okay. All right. Um, and, oh, that's a good question from Alan Lassiter. Um, he wanted to know, are the Native Americans a little bit more open to talking about Bigfoot up there, or is it taboo to talk about them? Because here, down here, it's taboo in a lot of tribes. 
yeah, it's pretty much the same here, especially with like the Nantanok. Mm -hmm. uh, they actually, some of them actually feel that to say the name Nantanok is mm -hmm. to, is like it's like saying Candyman. You know, you're gonna it's gonna yeah. you're gonna draw it to you if you talk about it. Right. So uh, it's it's like the boogie to talk about it. So I would say it's definitely a taboo. Okay, yeah, I I hear a lot of that. Um, hold on, I had a few more on Facebook that uh, have disappeared somewhere. Um, have you heard reports of the Squatch being different colors in Alaska? And that's from James Madison. I've heard of uh, black ones, uh, cinnamon-colored ones, and white ones. Okay, okay, white. That was another question: was are they white, like you know, polar white? <laughs> Oh man, I just, I don't know, thinking about a white one, that's just, it's like a Yeti or an abominable snowman, but wrong area, I guess, you know? Yeah, personally, I think it's more of a, um, I think the aging, I don't think it's, I don't think they change color for mm -hmm. camel purposes, like rabbits and stuff do. I think right. it's just, I think if you see a white one, it's probably an older one, but that's, that's I have okay. nothing to base that on, that's speculation. Right. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I know that there are gray ones, and... Um, my theory was that they were older, but people have seen juvenile gray ones. So I don't know. They might be like cats and just, you know, there might be calico ones out there. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, Brindle, Brindle Bigfoot. Um, okay, Patrick Vaughn, great question as usual from you. What is in your gear pack for investigating? Oh, geez. Um, I take a lot of stuff, probably more than I really should well, of course i mean we <laughs> um, all do i think but what's the yeah. what what can you not go without i have my my flare have to okay. yeah uh because i just i deal with so much um thick vegetation and you know just a lot of uh rough areas that i can't necessarily see and it's it's a lot easier to just throw the FLIR over see if there's any hot spots mm -hmm. uh, but my FLIR is something i usually take every single time and I always have uh, evidence collection kit uh, with tweezers and um, little test tubes and envelopes and, you know, just in case I come across anything I need to pick up. And um, I don't always carry uh, plaster with me, but here the last couple of times I went out, I've, I've had some. Um, I do need to practice um, casting tracks in snow. I haven't had a lot of experience with it, which you would think I would up here. Um, yeah. But I haven't, so I need to I need to bone up on that because I know that uh, it's going to happen one of these days, and I'm I need to be prepared. Yeah, um, I've never I've never cast it in the snow, so I I, <laughs> I think um, I saw somebody doing that recently. It might have been Shelley Covington, Montana, but I saw somebody doing it recently because we had a lot of snow down here randomly in Texas and Oklahoma, and um, I think it was Shelley Covington, Montana. So you might look up her Facebook because I want to say that she was practicing that and videoed it for everybody so uh, yeah. i want to say the plaster and the and the water get the, get the temperature. cooler yeah cooler temperature but you can't you know once you mix it up you got to pour it fast because yeah. it starts to harden faster in the cold weather i think but yeah i need to work on it <clears throat> i couldn't tell you um okay grassman 58 oh that's <laughs> Hi, Will. From the reports Beans has gotten in Alaska, is there a behavior difference between the Bigfoot in Alaska and the lower 48? I would say no. I'd say they're pretty consistent. Okay. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the same behaviors that you're, you're, you're the ones that run away and then the ones that maybe are a little more aggressive. But I mean, we get a lot of the same reports. Um, that okay. property that I was uh, just at, you know, that guy, he says he hears wood knocks all the time. Uh, which is not something that you hear a whole lot of in Alaska, but mm -hmm. uh, he, he's actually got some recorded that he let me listen to. And sure enough, I mean, that's what it sounds like. So I was pretty surprised when I heard that because we don't get a lot of reports that would knock up here. But a lot of the stuff that he's uh, recording at his place sounds like stuff that I would get in Washington. So, really? Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Um, okay. There was another question up here. What are your thoughts Joel asked, what are your thoughts on the Beast of Seven Shoots? Oh, I, yeah. Um, that's a really interesting picture. 
I really, if he's referring to the photograph, I, I mm -hmm. think it's really cool. But my problem with it is, is I want a picture in the same area where it's not there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's Bigfoot 101. If you, if you find something in your picture, go back and take a picture of that same spot and see if it's still there. Yeah. That's a great question and uh, advice as well. Whoa. Almost blocked my own mother. She would have taken me out. Okay. Cryptidville. Oh, I'm not going to pronounce that correctly. I'll let, let me you see. I think I can see that. Is that the Kushtaka or Otterman? Bigfoot creature. So, a creature. Okay. Uh, a lot of times, the, the natives believe the Kushtaka actually used to be human at one point, And they were uh, kidnapped or taken, saved from drowning uh, by other Kushtaka and into Kushtaka. Oh, so okay. I, I would have to say, I believe the natives believe it's a separate entity as well. They don't believe it's the same thing. They believe there's a Bigfoot and a Kushtaka. Okay. So uh, I kind of think that it's probably a separate entity. And it's also, you know, it's attributed to having powers and it can speak and, and, and mm -hmm. change shape and stuff like that. Okay. Um, along that line, have you heard any... Um, any cases or heard any legends up there um, on the Wendigo? That was from Alan Lasseter earlier that he asked. No, I think the Wendigo, I think that's kind of a, a Canadian thing. I don't think it mm -hmm. kind of reaches up in there. Maybe some of the northern, more northern parts of Alaska. Okay. Uh, but I can't say that I've ever heard any uh, reports or legends of a, of a Wendigo here where I'm at. Probably for the best. You're yeah. probably pretty lucky <laughs> on that. Um, and then also... I was wondering, do you investigate any other cryptids, or are there any other cryptids that you're interested in? Uh, I am open to investigating any type of cryptid, mm -hmm. and I just recently uh, come across a lake monster sighting in the lake not too far from me, and uh, I'm wanting to follow up with that gentleman and, and talk to him about that. Uh, lake monsters really intrigue me, especially up here, uh, because you get so many, I mean, the lakes are just so large. And yeah. there's a lot of room for stuff in there. And, you know, our fishing game, they don't they don't really know what's in there. Um, and they just, um, a lot of them connect to the ocean. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so much that could be in there. And, you know, I heard this guy, he report. I mean, he, he straight up reported almost like a pleasing sort like thing, like a like this monster-looking thing. Right, yes. And um, if you hear about the Lake Iliana monster, yes. that's, that's, you know, a lot of people about. think, yeah, a lot of people think that's a surgeon. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think there's been a lot of reports of that thing sticking up out of the water. It's all been seen from, like, airplanes and, mm -hmm. and you know, from above. Uh, but this one was kind of a different sighting because he actually, the gentleman was on the shore taking a break after he was, he was canoeing or fishing or what he was doing, and it swam by in, in daylight. So uh, that's a hard report to dismiss. Uh, yeah. You know, he's a, you know, from what I understand, he's a retired uh, professional, you know, an engineer guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not, you know, I, I just, I got I, I came out of that because uh, yeah. I go to that, and I go to that lake all the time. Yeah. But I'm always looking for Bigfoot. I never look in the water. <laughs> That's the problem. I get distracted and I, I either forget to look in the water or I forget to look up. Um, have you heard any reports? This is my own personal question of Thunderbird in that area. Have you heard any legends or incidents or anything? In a long time. Okay. Um, in the early 2000s, uh, there was a report of a really large bird. I think like a 40-foot wingspan or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was seen flying over a village, but I haven't heard anything recently. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, back to the lake monster. If that really is a sturgeon, that is not one I want to tangle with. If it's that big, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, Daryl, he said, Beans, what is your opinion on how the mainstream media treats members of the Bigfoot community? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, it's just kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, joke. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they don't take it very seriously at all, and I don't think they will until there's some kind of definitive proof brought in, like a body or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, they always, whenever they do a news story on it, they always kind of play it kind of tongue-in-cheek, and mm -hmm. you know, they play the X-Files music in the background, and, you know, they make some joke about it. It's, it's just not taken very seriously at all. Yeah, no, it's it's not. Um, and then SoCal Squatch wanted to know, have you ever been out with Chris Spencer? 
No, I don't, the name's not familiar to me. Okay, I'm not sure either. Yeah. All right, and what is the best evidence that you've come across to date? Uh, personally, I think would be uh, activity that uh, we experienced, Will, Mr. Grassman there, uh, that we experienced in Washington, because we okay. found tracks, we had knocks, we had screams all in that area we were in. And uh, that, that blew my mind. I mean, you know, I've been in areas and things, you know, it's usually like there's a clear or you find some tracks, but that place you get the full meal deal. I mean, we're just, we were like unloading the car and things are screaming in the woods and on the hill above us. And that, uh, I got to go back to that place. That was, that was amazing. Yeah, that sounds like somewhere I need to go as well. So, you know, if you ever want to share those coordinates, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, Alan Laster, that's a good question. And it's kind of the standard question, but I always love to hear everyone's opinions on this. What is your opinion of why nobody has found a body or bones or anything yet? That's a good question. I ask myself that all the time. Why hasn't, <laughs> Don't we why, hasn't yeah, why hasn't a logging truck taken one of these things out? Or why hasn't, yeah. why hasn't an old blind one like wandered into the middle of a town or something? Yeah. Uh, but I think probably, I mean, my best... Uh, speculation on that i think if you if you see one you probably there's probably another one around mm -hmm. and uh, i think they take care of each other i think they police each other up uh, i don't know if they bury each other or they eat each other i don't know what they do yeah. but uh, i think uh if something happens to one i think a couple others come up and, and take care of it um, yeah that and i mean it's a, it's hard to find dead bodies in the woods anyway uh, of large predators yeah i've never I think maybe out of all the hunters I know, and I know a lot, mm -hmm. um, of all the hunters I know, I think maybe I've talked to maybe one person that's found a dead bear in the woods, and that was just like a skull. Uh, yeah. So I think it's just, you know, the needle in the haystack, and nature's very efficient. It is. You know, you have the insects that come in, eating on it, mm -hmm. uh, even uh, birds and, and um, rodents will come up in the lake nests. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't take long. No, no, it doesn't. Um, scavengers, everything. Um, and then, so how has your research or your view, your thoughts on this topic, how has your um, <clears throat> mindset on this changed from when you started to now as you learn more and more? Uh, the more I learn, the more I think that probably it's not going to come to a conclusion in my lifetime mm -hmm. uh you know when i first started i kind of thought i mean i'm like i'm a i'm a police detective you know I'll, I'll if i apply myself to this i'll have this figured out in like a year or two you know and here i am i'm like i don't know what five or six years in and i'm not anywhere near close to being anywhere different well that uh, doesn't give me any hope yeah. for myself <laughs> not a and, police detective and people you know people more dedicated than i have spent more time in, into it and i mean yes. We haven't really gone forward much, so um, I just I just think that uh, the best you can do, you know, I'm it's I'm very selfish. Uh, you know, I want to see one for myself. I think you we know. all are that way. Yeah. You know, we I mean, we I want to experience love, it. I would love to prove it to the world, but at the you know at the end of the day, I just want to know, you know, for yeah. myself. Yeah. And uh, if I if I did ever prove it, or if I had the proof, I mean, I would be. <sighs> It would, it would be a spectacle because I'd be like, nan, nan, boo-boo, stick your head in doo-doo. Look what I found, you know. There's some people. I've got a list. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we all have that list of send the article to them and don't say anything and just let them, you know. Yeah. But uh, while we're I, in it. I can't say that my out, I mean, my outlook, if it's changed at all, it's probably been more for the negative where I just, I don't think it's going to come to a satisfactory conclusion in my lifetime. Okay. I really, really hope it does, but I just, right. I, I don't see it happening. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the, the question. Um, there's two questions that are kind of trigger warnings for people. I found out um, as of the year 2021 in the Bigfoot community, the first question is used to the trigger question would be pro kill or no kill. So what are your thoughts on that? Which one? Um, well, I mean, I think you can be pro-kill and not be like, I'm going to go out and shoot a baby Sasquatch in the head. Right. right. You know, um, I think that's the only way that it's going to be proven is with mm -hmm. a body. Actually, I was talking to 
talking to Doug Hycheck the other day, and he posed an interesting um, theory that he has. He says you're going to need two bodies. Because if you bring in one, people are just going to say, oh, oh, that's a fluke or that's just, you know, it's a mutation or, you know, it's, right. you're going to have to prove that it's a viable species. You have to have a backup. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm pro-kill. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be the one that's out there trying to kill Sasquatch. I mean, I always go out armed, but I mean, it's Alaska. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, don't, I don't go out with the mentality that I'm going to kill one. I mean, it right. would probably have to be a, a self-defense scenario or something like that i'm i'm not going to go out there and just start blasting if mm -hmm. i see one i try and film it first and then right. you know, if things get to the point where i'm concerned for my safety i'll do you know what i need to do but i'm not going to go out there with the mindset that i'm going to kill one you know mm -hmm. and then the other question is what do you think they are do you think they're flesh and blood or do you think that they are um supernatural or paranormal i think they're i i have to think that they're physical i have to think that there's something you know physical about them if they were if they were paranormal then i mean i, I just pack my stuff up and, and go home because <laughs> yeah. i mean you know i if it's magic what, what am i going to do uh, yeah so i i have to at least for the time time being they're physical i think they're probably some type of uh you know uh homogenous that is for whatever reason uh it's evolved differently you know parallel to us and uh, i i don't know why it doesn't make any sense uh if you think about it I, I don't i mean obviously they're stronger faster and you know better adapted than us to live in, in the environment i don't i can't understand why they're not in charge yeah, they, I mean, they to me, they are the apex predator on this planet. Even with us and our guns and our technology, if they wanted to, they could do some damage to us, I feel like, but they don't. Yeah, well, like I said, I think they have rules of engagement. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, I think they've survived this long because of those rules, and yeah. that's why. Um, so do you have any uh, projects on the horizon that you wanted to share? Anything you're looking forward to or planning? Uh, I want to I want to talk about my books some more. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, I really um, I think it's 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 it was the only nonfiction book on Port Chatham that's out there that's available really? right now. Uh, so you know, we, the team that I went in with, Stephen Major, we were the first ones in there to do bigfoot research and then um, i was fortunate enough to write the first nonfiction book on port chatham mm -hmm. so got a couple of you know there's not too many things you can do anymore and say i was the first person to do that yeah, no, there's not. so i've got that going for me and then uh we're going to be at the medellin falls uh festival in washington i'm going to that as well yeah. oh, so sweet. i'll meet you there <laughs> yeah. i'll um i'll show you on a map where that area was I was talking okay. about. And yeah, uh, appreciate that. you can go there if you want to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, hold me back. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to be at the Medellin Falls thing. Uh, let's see, what else is going on? I'm going to stick around for a couple of weeks after that. Yeah. And research and just, you know, get out of Alaska for a little bit and see what's going on down there. Yeah. And then uh, I'm going to be uh, at CryptidCon in November. Okay. I'm going to have, a, I've got family there in Kentucky, so mm -hmm. I'm going to have a vendor booth there, and uh, I've got uh, another book planned. I'm not hoping to have it out by the time uh, CryptidCon comes around, mm -hmm. but uh, it's going to be basically about how I incorporate my police training in looking for Sasquatch. And, oh, that'd you know, be awesome. Yeah, some of the forensic aspects and, you know, how to photograph things and stuff mm -hmm. like that, so... Uh, Hopefully have that done by the time CryptoCon rolls around and have it available. Definitely. Um, I think that's going to be, I mean, obviously your other book is its great. I haven't bought it yet. Um, it's in my Amazon on my little wish list. Um, I have to limit how many Bigfoot books that I have acquired or that I'm trying to acquire, I guess. Um, but I think that your forensic book, I think that's going to sell really well. Definitely looking forward to that. So... More research, more writing, you know, <laughs> no pressure. Um. Yeah. Well, one of the things I want to write about <clears throat> in that particular is there's not a lot out there on interviewing people. Right. There's and I've had, you know, I've had training on interviewing and interrogation 
And I just kind of want to talk to, I, I want to put that, some of that out there for people. Obviously I'm not going to teach people how to interrogate people because we don't want to interrogate witnesses, no, but, no, no. but just some things to look for when you're interviewing people. Yeah. I think that's important to get out there. Oh, I'm going to hold you to that. Will. He's going to buy, be buying beer. He is. He said first beers on him. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good idea because I mean, you learn a lot, um, just trusting your gut when you're getting experiences from people and kind of, you know, their behaviors and everything. I'm a psych major. So that just comes naturally to me watching people and how they act and feeling like just, you can read their body language, you know, know if they're telling the truth. But um, I think a lot of people that would help a lot when they're interviewing. So I think that's awesome. And I can't wait for you to publish that. Um, once again, you can buy his current book out on, um, out on Amazon or on his website, which I will pop up one more time on here. There we go. And that is alasquatchpodcast.com. That's A-L-A squatchpodcast.com. Um, can you tell me just a little bit about the podcast and kind of shout that out real quick too? Yeah, I don't have like a set schedule. Uh, I'm trying to get it out, you know, once a week or once every two weeks, but I kind of just do it whenever I feel like I got something to talk about mm -hmm. or I've got a good encounter to share. Uh, but basically it's the podcast about all things cryptid in the state of Alaska. Okay. Um, so I plan on doing some shows on uh, Lake Myers and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. it's just, I, and it, we also have sides where we just talk about living in Alaska. Uh, my All wife right. and I sat down a couple of weeks ago and just did an episode about uh, like being prepared for the winter and some of the winter driving stuff that we go through. So, uh, you know, it's just a little peek inside uh, uh, into Alaska and what it's like to live here and what it's like yeah. to look for Bigfoot up here. I think that's awesome. Um, there was a question. Hold on. I just wanted to ask real quick and then we can start getting ready to sign off um, from this is from Lori Hood. She said, what state do you think is underreported in sightings? Uh, I think or, I would have to go with Alaska. That, yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah, just because like said, of yeah, everybody the people has, to woods ratio is. <laughs> yeah. Everybody either has a story or knows somebody that has a story. Mm -hmm. But if you go to I, the BFRO webpage or you know anywhere, there are almost you know very little reports mm -hmm. coming out of Alaska. But uh, I think it's just a lack of people knowing where to go to report them. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully they watch this show and they'll know, you know, <laughs> to call you. So his phone number is, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let me see. Does anybody else have any questions? And we'll give them a second. In the meantime, thank you so much for coming on tonight, Larry. You've been a great guest. And I really look forward to your future projects and works because I think thank you're you. doing big things. Thank you. Sorry about the, the internet connection. It's, it's the right. first time it's ever given me, I, like I said, it's got to come in by dog sled. So what do you expect? I mean, of course, it's my show. I just, I have like the curse of wonderful guests and the whatever program. I've used so many different programs and each one will mess up. And it's just, it's, it's fine though. It's an uphill battle. Um, all right. I think that's it. And so again, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing and representing Alaska for, you know, all the Bigfoot people of Alaska. And um, after you write your book, I would love to, or your next book, I would like to have you back on if that's all right. Sure. I'll send you a copy. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right. And okay. Well, I'm going to call it a night. Thank you again for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Good night. Right. Good night. Okay. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show tonight with Beans. He was, I think he was a really good guest and I really enjoyed all the questions that you guys had for him. So thank you for chiming in with your questions. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe so that you support Beans and then also so you don't miss future stuff that I'm putting out with all of my amazing guests. Um, please drop a comment as well and let me know what you thought of the show. And I want to give a special shout out to the affiliates of Nightcallers Bigfoot Radio. So basically what an affiliate is for Nightcallers is um, you join the affiliate program and then I promote you on my show. Um, and you can go read all about that. But basically I'll promote you on my show. I'll promote you across my social media platforms. I'll promote you in the groups and all of that. So go check it out. 
First, we have Bigfoot Society podcast with Jeremiah Byron. Uh, that is a great show. He's got some great guests on there. So you guys go check him out. We have the Bipolar Teddy Bear Network. This is a group of four guys that do paranormal interviews and they really get into some cool stuff. So you guys go check them out on YouTube. Give them a like and a subscribe. And then we have Bigfoot Crossroads with Matt Knapp. Um, he is about to relaunch his show. So you guys go subscribe so you don't miss his comeback. And we have Weird Realities Podcast. This is one that Nightcallers produces. And there's Weird Realities and Weird Inc. Now, Weird Realities has the two lovely ladies with their beautiful southern accents. And they talk about all the weird things that they can think of. Um, so they are both fiction authors. And when doing research for their books, they came across a lot of weird stuff in their research. And so they have a show dedicated to all the weird. And then Weird Inc., they actually interview other weird authors. So go check those out, like, and subscribe. Uh, Planet Fear, I'm going to go ahead and throw that one in there. Uh, Matt Knapp and I have a show called Planet Fear. It is paranormal and true crime. And so we have put our decade long, we each have a decade long experience and in podcasting. So go check it out because we teamed up to bring you an awesome show on all the scary and awful things about this planet. But with, you know, laughs, lots of laughs. We have Beaverhook Productions. That's Logan Craft. He puts out quite a few different segments as well. And Bigfoot Club with Bob Dominguez and his crew. Go check him out. Give him a like, subscribe, thumbs up whatever the platform is that you choose to listen on. And if you're interested in becoming an affiliate or a member of Nightcallers Bigfoot Radio, go to nightcallersproductions.com. That is all I have. Stay safe, be kind, and I will see y'all next time.